0: Good evening world, this is the podcast Ask Frass, and your host S. Laura Cattell. Welcome back to Infinite Possibilities from Mr. Mike Dooley. Yesterday we kind of kept it short, my apologies if you were expecting longer. It wasn't feeling too hot and I'm still feeling kind of weird today. But we started at the little subsection called Living in a World Full of Creators. As he called it, that tricky situation that we've all locked horns with at one time or another. Why? Because we can't control other people. And as we've gone over before, for you to be able to control other people would invite other people to be able to control you. It's never lopsided. It's never one-sided. Whatever it is that you wish for someone else, whether it be benign or atrocity, you invite that same thing to be done to you at some future point. Whether the next minute, hour, day, week, year, so on and so forth. Okay? Because you're putting the intent of thought to the energy out there into the universe. You're creating it in your mind, first and foremost. Well, if you're creating it in your mind, then the potential for it to be created in the world is also present. Okay. Watch it. So we did Living in a World Full of Creators yesterday, and that kind of meandered its way around to um, how we attract people we want to care about, people we love, um, and so the next six section immediately following that was In Love. And that's a comprising um, quite a bit more than I wanted to tack on to yesterday's podcast, primarily because it wasn't feeling good. So, I left it for today, and we'll get started with that. In Love. And someone else is still lighting off fireworks? You know what? More power to you. Alright. So, just a quick recap of where we left off at before we get started on In Love. Where I want to start. So, okay, so for instance, as I mentioned before, if your aim, if your aim, words, if you aim to discover true love with a specific person, don't visualize that person. Visualize true love and all the consequences you think it will have on your life. Intensely imagine the feelings it will evoke once achieved and its impact on your daily affairs. Don't dwell on your idea of who the person is who will unleash true love within you. Focusing on him or her only distorts your wish to find love. When you focus on the person, you're actually focusing on the hows of its attainment, rather than leaving the details, the means, to the universe. Just see the end result. See yourself happy with a wonderful companion. And we have gone over this, you know, before. That you wouldn't want to exert control over another person. Not necessarily because... Well, not... The only reason... Excuse me. Being that you can't control another person because... um, They're also a creator of their life. But... If you were to somehow be able to manipulate someone else, to control someone else... Deep down you would know that that love isn't real. That it's created. That it's fake. Okay? And I don't care what you tell yourself in the beginning. Over time, that starts to just eat away at you. Never mind my air conditioner in the background, my apologies. It's a little loud. Alright? Psychologically, the knowledge that what you have with that person, all the smiles, all the beguile, all the kind things, all the attention is there because you're controlling the outcome rather than it being a genuine expression of love from them. You wouldn't want that. And again, like we said before, if you were able to control, excuse me, exert that kind of control over somebody else, you would be inviting that same kind of control over you. How do you think you'd feel internally if someone were able to exert control over you to fall in love with someone you don't like, don't find attractive, and don't want to do anything with, and you find yourself doing things that you normally wouldn't? I don't think you'd be too happy. So today we're going to go over in love. And iron this out before I get started, my shout out to the restaurant industry, oof, suffering more hardships. Not only did the pandemic uh, shutter quite a few businesses, but post-pandemic, as people are starting to crawl out, it just seems to be one attack after another, first employees that were forced to go find somewhere else or take unemployment are enjoying the rest don't want to go back, but you know there's multiple reasons. I'm not going to pin it just on loss of pay, higher pay, not wanting to work, whatever. There's there's it's a complex issue. All right, so you got employees that don't want to go back or can't go back because they went on to another uh, another profession or to make bills. Now supply chains, just the cost of the basics is going up, if they can get them at all which of course drives up the dollar amount that you pay for food. So, yeah, it's tough right now. Some, some odd hurdles to overcome get the, getting the, uh, the food service industry in the United States back on its feet. So, thank you guys for all you do, all you've done, all you're going through, all you've been through, all you're still going through. But don't give up. Don't do something you can't take back. Don't quit. Don't quit. Okay. In love. Until now, I've focused on the relationships we have with ourself, how people get into our lives, and what kind of effects we actually have on one another. For the remainder of this chapter, I want to get into some specifics, particularly those dealing with romantic relationships, how, through understanding and honoring ourselves, we can extend this love to our partners and further the adventure. Here are five thoughts that are all too often misunderstood or overlooked. They're aimed at helping you manage and appreciate your relationships. So number one, honor yourself BETWEEN relationships. Hey, my air conditioner turned back off, yay! So honor yourself between relationships. This first point about being in relationships. Is actually about when you're not in one. I think one of the saddest things in life is when I see others trying to fit in, no matter how high the cost to their integrity. Too often, in my experiences, it seems that our society and culture operates under the false premise that people should, ideally, be in a romantic relationship. This cultural expectation doesn't care about whether they're ready for one or whether they want one but states that, generally, people should have a romantic partner. Of course, that means if you don't want one, there's something wrong with you, Quote unquote wrong, and that you can't possibly be as happy as you would be if you were in a relationship. I'm not saying that friendships aren't natural, nor am I denying that sharing time with a loved one can enhance virtually any experience. But this mass assumption can be hurtful to those who are alone, and can make it particularly challenging for those of us who are, regretfully, influenced by popular mass police. To find happiness in our own company. Each of us lives... Oopsie. Each of our lives has seasons. And what is right for one person may not be right for another. Whether you are single by na- single by nature, or whether you are between relationships... Your life now affords you opportunities for growth, adventure, and self-discovery that do not exist presently for those in a relationship. Enjoy this time. Use it. Appreciate every moment while being unconcerned about what anyone else thinks. Number two. Measure your relationships by the love that's been shared. Too often relationships tend to be measured by how long they last instead of how much love or fun was experienced. There's the belief that great relationships withstand the test of time. Since when has a clock or a calendar been the measuring unit for love, emotional growth, or happiness? Quality is what counts, not quantity. This is not to say that you can't have a quality relationship that also lasts a lifetime. Nor am I saying that adversity in a relationship should lead to its abandonment. But these two benchmarks, quality and quantity, usually have very little, if anything, to do with each other. What's important in any relationship is that it is a fulfilling, rewarding experience in terms of either learning or happiness. Hmm. I will I will recap all these points when we're done. I have, I have some things to say. Number three, understand your motivations. Entering a relationship when you're not ready or for the wrong reasons can make it an unhappy experience from the start. We have an obligation to ourselves to understand what motivates us, and that obligation extends to our partners as well. Are we moving through our lives moved by fear or a sense of adventure? Do we want a relationship so, we, so that we can hide from the rest of our life or to blend with it? And the most common question is the relationship meant to add to our happiness or create it? Relationships can't make you happy, they only intensify whatever you already feel about yourself and life. Other people are like a mirror. They reflect your attitudes about life and yourself back to you. A happy person entering a relationship will likely become even happier, and an unhappy person entering into a relationship will likely become even unhappier. What exactly is being mirrored? It's not your behaviors, your looks, or your outer expressions, but the beliefs and the perceptions you have of yourself. This is often the case for people with low self-esteem who are further abused in their intimate relationships. They think of themselves as flawed, unworthy of love and appreciation, or even deserving of punishment. And these thoughts are not only picked up by the other person, but, depending on their disposition, may be expressed, possibly in the form of abuse. Of course, it is more complex than this. But the point is that what you bring to the relationship is what you will gain from it, whether it's happiness, sadness, or self-doubt. In the same vein, it's futile and usually dishonest to enter into or stay in a relationship, believing that it will make the other person happy. How often have you heard people say, I just want to make you happy? Too often! No one is nor should they pretend to be, in a relationship to make someone else happy. That kind of statement typically hints at their own unhappiness, usually within their relationship. Your first objective, for the benefit of yourself and your relationships, is to make sure that you're independently happy. When you're happy and joy is your motivator, the rest of the details in your life will take care of themselves. And usually, though not right away, and not always, those around you will be happiest. Number four, you decide what's meant to be. Why is it that in most areas of life, people believe in free will, infinite possibilities, and our inherent natural-born freedom? When it co- yet when it comes to relationships, they believe that some are meant to be. It's probably probably the romantic in all of us, and in that sense, when everything is rolling along smoothly in your relationship, it's pleasant to fantasize that perhaps the universe saw the two of you as being such incredible compliments that it preordained the union. Yet should the relationship become challenging, the notion of your union being meant to be can mischaracterize everything. If the relationship ended, was failure involved? Was there an error on the one side or the other? Should it be saved, no matter the cost, since it was meant to be? Nothing in time and space is meant to be, except for what already exists in the present and all that awaits in the future. That will be determined by your ever-evolving beliefs and expectations. Tomorrow is a blank slate. It has to be. Otherwise, there would be limits and constraints on our ability to create our own realities. And number five, relationships are an adventure. Just as in life, in an adventure there is hope, challenge, promise, and mystery. Relationships are not work, per se, as we so often hear. I understand the point trying to be conveyed when they are called work, and yes, all relationships, like all adventures, are an ongoing labor of love. But given that most in our society still consider work to be a four-letter word, attaching this label or characterization to your relationships is unwise. A firm belief in anything, including the presumption that relationships are work, will bring about that reality. The truth is that relationships don't have characteristics until the people in them define them. They're not easy or hard, challenging or rewarding, work or play, until someone says so. A bigger truth here is not that relationships are this, that, or the other thing. And there my air conditioner goes again. It's that individuals in relationships see them as this, that, or the other thing and so they become. As a side note, rather than working on the relationship, each person should be mindfully working on his or her own life perceptions, which is true regardless of whether or not we are in a romantic relationship. It's just that such relationships create a fantastic opportunity for exactly this, as your partner so often reveals to you your own perceived strengths and weaknesses, and understandings and misunderstandings. It's not that the relationship is work, it's that it creates ideal conditions for us to learn about ourselves. Yet if the work becomes arduous and is blamed on the relationship, rather than seeing it as the next step in understanding yourself, you'll mistakenly ascribe such growing pains to coming from the partnership not understanding that it simply facilitated your own natural, inevitable awakening to truth and self-discovery. Such thinking would then color your future partnerships in the same light as laboratories of pain, thereby making them laboratories of pain. Thoughts become things. Okay, so I was right. That took way long. So let's back that up a little bit, go all the way back to the top here. Alright, so, number one, honor yourself between relationships. Take care of yourself. Learn to grow. He's right, okay? You can go and be a little bit crazy, a little bit reckless. You can do things outside of a relationship that you can't do when you're in one. As great as being in one is, some people don't want to be, and that's got to be perfectly fine. They have to come to that to themselves. You can't force them to want to like to be in a relationship. And trying to force them to do that, which they already get a lot of peer pressure culturally to do that, ends up just making them depressed because now you're not accepting them for who they are. It's perfectly fine to be alone. You learn so much more about yourself when you're alone. And again, you need to, be, you need to learn to be independently happy so that your happiness is not dependent on someone else because what happens if that someone else leaves? For whatever reason. What happens when you fight with that someone else? What happens if that someone else stops liking you, loving you, wanting to be around you? Alright, when you enter a relationship and you're already independently a happy person, the burden is now not on the other person to try and keep your spirits up. It becomes more of an even keel. Okay? So, number two, measure your relationships by the love that's been shared. That is such a great one. All right? We tend to think that the longer that we're with someone, the more, I guess, seniority we get, and then we become shocked if something goes wrong, something happens, and the relationship breaks up, and... We sit there and we fixate on how long the relationship was, not whether or not we were actually doing anything to get the most out of that relationship. Were we sharing enough love? Were we sharing enough compassion? Were we doing the little things that made the other person light up? All right. Rather than, you know... Was it an awesome relationship? Alright, how many times have you had a summer fling where it was just like the one thing that you remember for your whole life? Just the whole whirlwind summer of romance and, you know, walks on the beach and whatnot and then you never saw the person again. Sometimes that happens. I would argue that that experience, because it creates so much more intense memories, had more value than a long-term relationship that was just meh. Right? You came here to live. Memories like that are what you live for. All right, so number three. Understand your motivations. Hmm. Do we want a relationship so that we can hide from the rest of life or blend in with it? Uh he yeah, has a good point. Relationships can't make you happy. They only intensify whatever you already feel about yourself and life. There's something bugging me about that statement that's just a little bit off, but I can't put my finger on it quite right now. My apologies. Oh, good, my air conditioner turned back off again. Yay! But he is correct in that other people are a mirror to yourself. I would... I, don't want to that. I would argue that it's not the relationship that makes you happy, it's the other person being happy, adding to your happiness, thereby magnifying it. Without which, you would still be perfectly fu- to perfectly capable of being happy independently. But with the other person, and they bring their happiness, then it becomes magnified. So you would still be happy anyways. This just magnifies it. So it's like great, but then super fantastic. Without super fantastic, you'll still have great. It's still fine. And you still learn different things. Like we just said, you learn things outside of a relationship. You learn things when you're inside a relationship. Consequently, you learn things outside of a relationship that you can't learn while you're inside a relationship. Vice versa, you learn some things when you're in a relationship that you can't learn while you're single. It's just different things to learn. Not the least of which, it's really nice to hold someone at night. But truthfully, understand your motivations. Why do you want this relationship? Are you wanting this relationship... Because you want to love someone, or because you want someone to, as they put it, be your sugar mama or your sugar daddy? You want someone else to take care of everything? Hmm? What's your motivations? Why are you really doing it? At the end of the day, are you really going to be happy if you go through with it? If you're not, you had best go back and re-go over your motivations for doing it. Because if you're not going to be happy at the end of it, then you're going to setting yourself up for a pretty miserable life. Number four. You decide what's meant to be. And we go over the, oh, it was meant to be type of characterizations that we hear often. But man, that puts a heavy burden on the relationship. And your mental state. As he puts it, yet should the relationship become challenging, the notion of your union being meant to be can mischaracterize everything. If the relationship ended, was failure involved? Was there an error on the one side or the other? Should it be quote-unquote saved no matter the cost? Because of course it was meant to be. Instead of letting it play out naturally. Number five... Relationships are an adventure, and this is where he makes the, and the, the first thought on in love, he makes the argument for when you're outside of a relationship. On number five, he makes the argument for being in a relationship, and that you can only learn things when you're in a relationship that you can't learn it elsewhere. With the note that, rather than working on the relationship, each person inside the relationship should be mindfully working on his or her own life perceptions. Which is true, whether or not we are in a romantic relationship. It's not that the relationship is work, it's that it creates ideal conditions for us to learn about ourselves. Be careful though, because if the work becomes arduous and is blamed on the relationship, rather than seeing it as the next step in understanding yourself, You'll mistakenly ascribe such growing pains to coming from the partnership, such that thinking would then color your future partnerships in the same light as laboratories of pain. Thoughts become things. Oh. All right, and. I'm glad he added that little bit right at the end. It was just the last few lines, but I want everyone out there who's listening that's had relationship issues, I want you to understand this really, really keenly, okay? Ascribe such growing pains to coming from the partnership, not understanding that it simply facilitated your own natural, inevitable awakening to truth and self discovery. Such thinking would then color your future relationships in the same light as laboratories of pain, thereby making them laboratories of pain, thoughts become things. Okay, when you are going through your relationship and something comes up. Maybe you want to work on it and they don't, or they want to work on it and you don't, whatever, you bring that experience with you to the next relationship, expecting more of the same to happen. Well, because you're expecting more of the same to happen, guess what? More of the same will happen because you're expecting it to. Which is unfortunately quite the problem for like kids who've had parents who divorced. That's the first relationship that you ever put your full love and trust into. If they break up, and you being their progeny, in the mind of a child, well, I'm their kid, what's going to happen to me? Am I going to do that when I grow older? You start to lose trust in yourself. And you bring that expectation into your future relationships, which is why it can be so unbelievably hard for the kids of uh, divorced parents to have solid, stable relationships. Also, when we're adults, we do the same thing. If we have a bad relationship, we're hesitant in the next one. As the term goes, carrying emotional baggage. Which is really derogatory because almost everybody has emotional baggage. Alright, point out to me the person that does not come loaded with things that they have been through in their life that they're still hanging on to. Come on, seriously? We all do it. Until we get to a point where we can transcend those things that hurt us and transmute the pain that we went through and put it to better use. Okay? But people still have their things, quote-unquote things, that they went through that has... Instructed how they interact with life from that experience forward. <clears throat> so, if you are expecting relationships to be painful, then your relationships will be painful. You will attract relationships to you that end up being painful. Not that you're actually intentionally on your con- on your unconsciously trying to seek out relationships that are going to cause you pain. But your expectation of relationships being painful, will draw to you exactly that, in some form or fashion. That is also not to say, some relationships aren't meant to be there forever. They're just meant to be there for a year, or a couple years, or a couple months. To give you a memory, to give you a smile, to give you a lesson. But not to be a life sentence lesson. Never make it a life sentence. Okay. Not everyone's supposed to be there forever. Also, it's a numbers game. Okay. At some point you're gonna figure out what it is you're really looking for, what it is you really like, what it is you really want. And then you don't settle until you find exactly it. Some people set it up so that they find that special someone early. Other people, they kind of meander. Again, you don't know what it's like, spiritually, to go through either experience, unless you go through that experience. As we went over in the last chapter, which was completely mind-blowing about um, the nature of reality and the effective Back along the route of infinity that our lives are, because our lives are truly eternal. The bodies, however, have a life span. Understand the distinction? You, the soul underneath, incarnates into this body. The body itself has a lifespan of zero to whatever. Generally the average right now is about 85, 90, right? So you get you come in, you incarnate for a lifespan of 95 years, or 90 years, and then you go back to being spiritual energy again. And there it goes my air conditioner. Okay, so you came here to learn. Some lessons are easy, some lessons are hard some lessons are downright friggin painful but at the end of it when you get done just go back to being spirit again and you get the chance to incarnate into another experience and so on and so forth and over and over and over and over again as many times as you want Okay. So, we will come back tomorrow at Thoughts for Adding Romance to Your Relationship. Ooh, that could get spicy. So, oh, and we have another list of things. So, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Wow. Okay, so... Looks like I'm going to have to get started earlier tomorrow. 10 of his thoughts for adding romance to your relationship, and there are 10 of them. They encompass a full two pages. So, quite the interesting bit today. Lots to think about, lots to mull over. So go ahead and do yourself a little wiggle and get in a little stretch. And we will do our two-minute brain break.
1: a nice, deep, nourishing breath out. Let's take another nice, slow, deep breath in. Select your focus, if you can, contrast on your concept. I wonder if you can imagine it grows. With whatever color you believe love is. Purple doesn't ever feel right for you. Just imagine it's blue. And this glow emanates all of the beautiful feelings you associate with love. And it's tangible and overflowing. you find that the longer that you focus on this glow, the more powerful its emanations become, the brighter the glow gets, and the farther it goes out. Let your focus rest in this. far you can get the glow to expand. And let the emotions that are the next
0: And Mr. Dooley has quite the bit to say about love. So we did t- In Love today, and we will come back tomorrow with romance. Romance being even longer than In Love. I sincerely hope I can get to all of it in one podcast. So, lots to think about. Have a fantastic rest of your evening. Hope i have given you some brain teasers there, some helpful hints, and some necessary awarenesses. Don't beat yourself up. Please don't beat yourself up. Go have a fantastic rest of your evening. This is the podcast. Ask Good night.